Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. What up, y'all? It's Russ Parr. Welcome to the Russ Parrcast. Today, action-packed show. Uh, we'll be talking to attorney Ariva Martin. She's got a great book. Ladies, it's a guide that you're going to want to hear about that you're going to need to process this thing called life in this male world. Okay. Also, Tommy Davidson will be here. And then, of course, we'll talk to Mr. Juneteenth and a few other folks uh, about what Juneteenth is, in case you didn't know. Yeah, CRT right here on, on the Russ Podcast. All right, let's get started with our attorney, Ariva Martin. On the phone line right now, her name is Ariva Martin. She's a best-selling author, TV talk show host, award-winning civil rights attorney. And, of course, uh, I've seen her on everything. I mean, every time I turn on CNN or HLN, there she is. She's a legal analyst. I mean, she does it all. And it's very impressive. Uh, good morning to you. How are you, Ariva? Good morning. Thank you. You know, I, I know I you've written a, well. quite a few books. And uh, I know your latest is called Awakening. And I have not had a chance to read it. But that makes it good because I can learn as we talk. Um, it's awakening. Ladies, leadership, lies, we've been told. Break that down for us real brief. Well, as you know, even though women have made tremendous progress in this country, the reality is that women still suffer a tremendous amount of gender bias. Mm -hmm. And when you think about women in the workplace and women in positions of power, there are still patriarchal structures in place that limit how far women can advance. And the book is really about helping women understand that it's not them. You know, we went through this era where a lot of leadership books were written that basically told women to do more, to work harder, to lean in. And I wanted to debunk the myth that somehow women weren't working hard enough or mm -hmm. weren't already leaning in right. and wanted to really place the focus where the focus needs to be placed, which is the structures that prevent women oftentimes from advancing even when they are doing everything in their personal power mm -hmm. uh, to advance. So I, I wanted to talk more about the system awesome. and less about individuals because we know the individuals are, you know, they're, they're killing it. They're doing right. everything we are told to, <clears throat> excuse me, we are told to do. Uh, but even when we do, we still oftentimes run up against that proverbial glass dealing. Well, let me, let me try to play a little devil's advocate here. Because I have a daughter, and um, I've always taught her that she had to be twice as good as her male counterparts and three times as good as her female counterparts. And the reason why I say that, because I've experienced, I have watched other women pitted against each other in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And am I way off base to, you know, to bring that up, first of all? Uh, second of all, to make my daughter aware of the fact that 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 lady across from you, and I don't want her to be paranoid, that might be your friend that you're going out on Friday nights with and have drinks, but she may be in the other room plotting for your demise. Well, <clears throat> I, I would hope to think that there are women out there, most women are not out there plotting for the demise of any other uh, uh, woman in the workplace. I think what you got right about the story is that the woman sitting next to you may be the woman that you are going to be competing with for that next promotion. Because in many companies, unfortunately, the reality is there's only going to be one. So mm. it's not as if there are an infinite number of available positions. And many companies say, you know, once they got one woman in 
a position of management or a mm-hmm. position of power, it checked the box. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. Like, what are women complaining about? We we have, you know, Betty over here or Mary or Laquita or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, put a name on the face. And that's unfortunate because we know that companies aren't sitting around saying, well, you know, if we get one guy in a job, we've done well. Mm. Uh, and that is the reality as it relates to women. And right. we know that's the reality as it relates to a lot of uh, people of color. Right. So, yes. A great job. Kudos to you for mm-hmm. synthesizing your daughter mm-hmm. for what she's going to face in the right. workplace. Uh, we're talking to Reba Martin. Um, she's uh, her latest book is Awakening Ladies Leadership and Lies. We've been told there's a disparity in pay, obviously. And I don't know how to I don't know if you address that in your book, but it, it's a tough battle because you got the good old boys network and they ride yeah. for each other. And it's mm-hmm. just it's hard to infiltrate that network. What is your advice to ladies that are sitting there going, I know I'm 18,000 times more valuable than my male counterpart, yet he makes $18,000 more than me. How do you, how do you uh, handle that? Well, first of all, I absolutely address it because that is, again, uh, one of the lies that women have been told throughout history is that somehow we are not good enough. We're not good as our male counterparts. And we know that many jobs do pay women less, even though they are doing the same functions, performing the same functions as men. Uh, A lot of what I talk about and tell women to do is use their voice, is that we have power Mm -hmm. and there is power in numbers. And many states, like the state of California, have enacted laws that prohibit employers from discriminating against uh, people in the workplace for talking about their salary. You know, for you know, there was it was a taboo in this country mm-hmm. to even talk about how much you made and think about what disadvantage that put women at. Mm-hmm. So if you and I couldn't even have a conversation about our salaries, women were often in the dark, assuming that they made the same amount as their male counterparts, that they mm-hmm. were 18,000 times better than. Right. Uh, but we got to talk about it. We got to bring that concept of a salary out of the dark and out of you know this mysterious place where it's been for many, many decades. Uh, and we've got to be vocal. So I tell yeah. women all the time, go in the workplace and ask. Quite yeah. simply, ask your boss, what is Bob sitting next to me making? And, you know, if your boss gives you that, well, you know, I can't talk about sensitive personnel mm-hmm. issues or that's an HR issue. You know, tell them, uh, you know, I don't need you to tell me to the dollar. Uh, what Bob is making, but I do need to have a sense of parity. I need to right. understand. That is he making more than me? You know, I mean, is it's, he making more than me? Simple yeah. as that. And but, if it is, how much more? Give me a range. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, well, well, you know, I also want to bring up the fact that, you know, it, it is a battle with women in the workplace and, and the strategies that you're talking about. But there is that battle of being a black woman in the workplace uh, because you are competing not only against the men, you're competing against women, other black women, other white women. It's like, it, it, it just seems like it's going to be a very difficult task to, in order to, you know, to get to that next level. Because what they like to do is they like to label you. They want to put mm-hmm. you in a box and they want, oh, she's got a little attitude problem because she didn't say hi with a big old smile on her face today. I mean, they're, they're trying to paint you out to be disgruntled or difficult. Difficult is the key word. I hear that often. She's difficult to work with. Um, how do you respond to somebody that's dealing with that? 
Yeah, you know, that difficult is cold for angry black women. Mm-hmm. We see that all the time. We, we hear it all the time as it relates to women who are in the media, uh, women in high profile positions, our elected officials. Yes, it, it's a trope. It's a, a racist and sexist trope that, again, is, is very pervasive, as you just said, in many workplaces. And I just tell women, you know, show up as your authentic self. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you try to be someone other than that, it, it doesn't work out. Yep. And we know we can look at our incredible vice president, Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. For some, she's angry. For others, she's too happy. We know you can just look at our incredible vice president as a great example of this. For some, uh, you know, they label her as being angry and mm-hmm. and you know, being hostile, Mm -hmm. but others say she smiles too much. She's always happy. (laughs) So you you cannot please everybody. Mm -hmm. And so don't waste your time trying. Mm -hmm. So you have to show up in the workplace and just be authentic to who you are. Be conscious of how people might perceive you, Mm -hmm. but you can't be anything other than who you are because it's not real. Mm -hmm. You can't keep it up. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. You know, that mask that we're often asked to wear in places, cold switching, all of that is incredibly exhausting for women. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's no evidence that you're going to be successful even when you try to be something other than who you are. Uh, And we know that there are women who are succeeding despite all the obstacles, who mm-hmm. have uh, faced the challenges, that have faced the systemic racism, systemic, uh, you know, gender bias in the workplace, and have still made it to right. the top, have made it into those C-suites, have made it into those management and executive leadership positions. And what I always say to women, you just make sure that when you get your shot, mm-hmm. that you send the ladder back down. That Hello. You are Thank you. Lifting as you are rising. I love that. Because... Too often women, we get in those positions and we forget. We get comfortable right. being the only one. We get comfortable being, you know, in those exclusive clubs. And we don't do enough ourselves to make sure that, that next generation, that, that next, you know, uh, cadre of, of women are also given opportunities. So there's mm-hmm. a lot that women can do as well as I call on our allies, mm-hmm. i.e. men. Uh, to do to break down and dismantle some of these systems and structures that have held women back. Awesome. Ariva Martin, best-selling author, her latest book, of course, Awakening, Ladies, Leadership, and Lies We've Been Told. I'm getting a copy for my daughter because she's just starting to experience, and sometimes I feel like I didn't prepare her, Ariva. I think that she's naive on some things. There is a certain game that you have to play, but you don't have to lose yourself while you play it to get to the next level. But I love what you said. When you get there, drop that ladder back down. Yes. Yeah, don't Clarence Thomas us. Don't do that. (laughs) Uh, uh, Ariva Martin, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your time. And uh, they can pick up this book anywhere, right? Absolutely. Thank you. Visit my website, arivamartin.com. Follow me on all social media platforms at Ariva Martin. Sounds great. All right. Thanks for talking with us. You take care. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye now. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just one second. We'll be talking to Tommy Davidson. Stay there. El condado de Santa Clara está atravesando una sequía extrema, pero con la temporada de lluvias a la vuelta de la esquina, ¿sabías que pueden ocurrir inundaciones con cualquier lluvia? Valley Water lo alienta a conocer si vive en una zona de inundación y armar su kit de emergencia. Esté alerta, esté preparado, actúe. 
visite valleywater.org diagonal flood ready y asegúrese de estar listo para Ladies and gentlemen, on the line right now, his name is Mr. Tommy Davidson, the funniest guy on the phone right now. He is the funniest guy on the phone. <laughs> and I say that with all love. The funniest guy on the phone right now. Yes. <laughs> How you doing, Tommy? Hey, man, everything is good, man. So good to talk to you, brother. Oh, my gosh. Man, it's been a long been a time. Yeah, man. And so I know you, you've been talking to people about you got a number of things going on, so we're going to get into those. But I want to talk about what everybody's talking about right now. The Martin Reunion. Oh, I'm sorry. Because I remember Tommy played Varnell Hill on, on the Martin. Great yeah, character. Yeah. Did you miss me? Yes. Got an autograph. Right. Do the cabbage patch. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. How many years has it been since you've been on that show? 27 years ago, believe it or not. And we came from D.C. and you're well aware of that. Right. Um, we met at uh, Garvin's Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. At an open mic. And guess who else was there? Who? Dave Chappelle. Wow. We all started like the exact same like week, you know? Wow. That's crazy. See, because one of the things is, and all, all three of you guys are from the DMV area. And so, I mean, uh-huh. and all three of y'all blew up. So it's, it's a very beautiful thing. I got to ask you, what, good thing. what was it like to work with Martin in that environment, man? Describe your first day on the set. When I first got to the set. Mm-hmm. Martin was yelling at people, you know, you get over here, you get over here, you shut up. And I was like, Martin, when you start talking to people like this, you're like, you don't understand. You know, this is my TV show. And blah, blah. I said, I have a TV show, too. He said, nah, man, yours is different. So I said, okay, it's going to be real different when we do this scene. And I got into this scene, uh-huh. and it wasn't nobody uh, knew what I was going to say next. Wow. It was like I threw I flipped. Improv. A hundred percent. You asked me, do I have a pool? I said, no, I have a lake. You know, catfish <laughs> delicious. <laughs> did, he, did he accept the challenge? When you look at that, look at his face. The next time you see that episode, mm-hmm. look at his face. He was trying so bad not to laugh. <laughs> I broke his neck. Okay. <laughs> well, because I, I heard, you know, at that time, you know, Martin could be a little volatile and, you know, this is his shot. So you can expect him to be very protective of what he's doing there. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah. oh, so, yeah. so I understand, you know, why he was like, oh man, this, this, this ain't happening. Uh, but I do want to say the show at that time, did you guys ever think it was going to be iconic? You know, I did not. Mm-hmm. I did not. I knew that Martin was really good. Mm-hmm. And um, and being a friend of mine from D.C., I just love and adore this man. Mm-hmm. But to this day, it's still it's still syndicated, man. Yeah. So now you're singing too. Russ, I've actually um, established myself as a smooth jazz singer. Really? Yeah. Are yeah. You? My single was out um, in January of this year. So you're doing a one night uh, uh, a one night only show in uh, Philadelphia, right? Um, on yeah. the seventeenth. Most certainly. Okay. And um, and you know I love Billy. Oh yeah, that's second city for us in DC. You know that absolutely. It's right down the street. You know, so that's that's a very beautiful mm-hmm. thing. You're on Earthquake's Father's Day comedy show. You know, and I'm proud of my brother. Earthquake is from DC too. Is this a DC thing or what's Earthquake's up? Earthquake's from DC too, and Father's Day is a very rare one for us because you know we ain't gonna get none. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious! Hilarious! Uh, it's gonna be. Um, 
I think the Academy of Music, 240 South Broad Street. So, uh, no, man, I'm looking forward. I will. I am definitely, Tommy, coming up for that. You're one of the few comedians that actually literally makes me cry. You cry. You cry when you watch Tommy. Well, man, you know, we're all out here just trying to make it happen, man, the best that we can. So I'm proud of you, man. Uh, Keep keep doing your thing. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you uh, later this month. And, of course, uh, Tommy Davidson, the the Martin Reunion, is going to be going down on BET on the 16th. It's today. (laughs) Y'all make sure you check it out. Tommy, it's good talking to you, brother. You too, man. Love you, brother. Love you too, man. I've been into you, enjoying watching you grow, man, and flourish, boy. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. You take care of yourself, man. You too, Russ, man. All right. right, We're going to take a quick break. Coming up, everything you wanted to know about Juneteenth, but you were scared to ask. That's coming up next. On the phone line right now, I have Dr. Troy Body, uh, and Dr. Troy Body is a museum co-director. Uh, Ronald Smith is a historian, and he's better known as Mr. Juneteenth. Uh, good morning, guys. How you doing? Good morning. Doing, doing well. well. Doing well. Okay. Well, listen, first of all, let's just start right here. Let's just pretend people just landed on Earth, and they don't know anything <laughs> about June 19th. In the Reader's Digest version, explain it to them. Uh, June 19th was uh, 1865 when a Union officer by the name of Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston, Texas, near the Gulf of Mexico, and brought with him General Order Number 3, which basically stated that slaves in Texas would be free. Now, while that was necessary was because the Emancipation Proclamation was issued in 1863 by Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. but at the time that it was issued, it didn't really mean anything. The Union had to win the war in order to enforce freedom for black people. But at, at the same time, that information did not reach slaves in East Texas. It was about two years, two years and a half before that information got there. Yes. Now, does that, that does not mean that there were individual slaves that did not know that the Emancipation Proclamation had been issued and the Union had won the war. But the majority of slaves did not have that information. So the last battle of the war was fought, and uh, Gordon Granger was sent down with uh, 2,000 soldiers to announce at different locations in and around Texas that the slaves in East Texas would now be free. Okay. All right. So listen, you guys are having a Juneteenth celebration, which is happening this Sunday at the Sandy Springs Slave Museum and African Art Gallery. Um, That is, is that in, um, what area is that in, in Maryland? It's in in Sandy Springs, Maryland, which is outside of only um, uh, Burtonsville area. Mm -hmm. And the um, the event's going to be held from 11 to 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have all kinds of vendors, food, a petting zoo for kids, uh, free tours of the museum. So if you haven't come out to see us, come on out and get a little taste of your history. Right. Uh, so and, that's going to be at the have, Sandy Springs Slave Museum and uh, African Art Gallery. Go ahead, doctor. No, I was just going to say, we also have a, a exhibit, a Juneteenth exhibit up in the museum that we would like people to come in and see. You know, there's... There's been a little bit of debate Like some people like, gosh, it, it was bad news. Some consider it bad news that we got information two years later. 
But a lot of slaves, just for historical reference here, a lot of slaves stayed, didn't they? Is is that accurate? Yeah, that's that's true. But that's also true in the Deep South. That's also true. <clears throat> you had a myriad of emotions and reactions to freedom. Mm-hmm. Some slaves immediately left and tried to find other family members. Many of them went to local urban areas in Texas, for example. They migrated to Houston, Austin, San Antonio, Fort Worth, Dallas, and the late areas right, there. Right. Uh, but some, some, some decided to stay. Some, yeah. Well, let me just say this. I, I, I think this is excellent that you guys are doing this because there are so many people that don't understand the significance. Unless you're from Texas, from the South, because uh, you know I, I lived in Texas for a lot of time. I was born in San Antonio, so it was oh, it was really? a no brainer. You you were going to celebrate. There were parades, all that stuff, and in other parts of the country, they don't realize how significant it was. So hats yeah. off to both of you guys, uh, uh, Doctor Troy. Let me ask you again. That's going to be on Sunday, the nineteenth, which is Juneteenth. What time does it start? And if, if people want to get more information, how do they do this? So visit our uh, webpage um, or find us on Facebook. It's the Sandy Springs Slave Museum and African Art Gallery. The event's going to take place from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a big family reunion of sorts. And so come out, uh, enjoy the festivities, and, again, get that little dose of history because Mm -hmm. that just strengthens us as, as, as people of color when we know who we are. Mm-hmm. We can absolutely the acts that come after us. Gotcha. Troy Body. And of course, he's the museum uh, co-director, uh, Ronald Smith, historian and better known as Mr. Juneteenth. Uh, be great. You guys will be there. And anybody want to ask you some questions, you can fill it, fill in all the blanks. I appreciate you guys talking with us this morning. Thank all you. right. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. Bye bye. There it is, y'all. The Russ Podcast. I want to thank all my guests that were on today. Hopefully you're enlightened. If not, uh, hey, light one up. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, make sure you guys tune in next week. Wherever you can hear a podcast, you can listen to the Russ Parcast. I'd really appreciate it. Go to Instagram at Russ Par Show or Twitter at Russ Par Show. Leave some messages. Or just leave some messages right here and uh, let us know if you like the show or not. Okay? Well, just let us know if you like the show. That's all we care about. Y'all take care. <laughs>